0: especially when you hit rock bottom, you, whether it's religious or not, I mean, people have to find faith in something, whether Mm -hmm. it's the universe or it's love or it's logic philosophy. I mean, you find your faith in something, and that's what you base the moral of your life on. I, I, I'm glad that I uh, found, found the church and found a family through that. And that's, that's just the faith that I live by. Um, But, you know, I mean, doesn't have to be religious i i personally am thankful for the for christianity and for the church but you just have to find your faith in something and when i was at rock bottom i had nothing and that's it i knew i had christianity that's all i knew i had at the moment
1: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the fourth episode of Boss One Podcast. I wanted to say a big thank you to all of you for listening and welcome you to give me feedback on my podcast through either my main Insta at Aiden Dapason or my podcast Insta at Boss One Podcast. Once again, if you are going through something, you can contact me through those Instagrams for help, but also know that you're strong, brave, and definitely not alone. So with that, I want to welcome today's guest, a really good friend of mine from Arizona, Trevor Strim. What's up, Trevor?
0: Hey, brother. What's going on?
1: Not much, not much. All right. Um, Just wanted to start out with uh, a bit of background from you. So tell me a bit about your background and, and your life growing up.
0: Um. Well, I grew up in – I was born here in Scottsdale, moved to Chicago back when my dad lived there, moved back after my parents got divorced. I grew up just going back and forth between – homes with divorced parents. Um, and you know, didn't start experiencing any depression or anxiety until about my sophomore year of high school. Uh, when I had stopped seeing my dad due to some abuse, my mom and I were fighting a lot. Um, and I'd say summer after sophomore year and getting into junior year, got caught up in some drugs. I started out smoking pot and ended up addicted to prescription pills. Um, And that was just a wild ride with a lot of depression, a lot of anger. Um, Anxiety was a problem uh, to the point where I ended up hospitalized after some overdoses and came out and um, I thought, you know, not going to have any friends. Everyone's no one's going to want to talk to me like I'm just an addict. Like I got all these problems, but when I got out. It was the uh, the church that I went to. I just experienced so much love and support. Um, and I, it's just the, the love of Christ that was exemplified through a lot of people that I knew that helped me so much through sobriety, starting my senior year of high school. Um, and I was, you know, junior year, I was going to church, but I was still doing stupid stuff, a lot of drugs and it wasn't feeling the greatest. I got arrested. Like I had to step down from a leadership position with the fifth and sixth grade ministry, but I'd say when senior year hit um, is when I started growing much closer with my mentor, Jarrett, um, And he walked me through a lot of sobriety. He walked me through my just loving Christ and devoting my life to Christ. Um, and it's been great ever since, you know, I'll be honest, like there are still some days where I'd say two months ago, anxiety was a huge problem with unemployment. Like it was just consuming me sometimes. And, Rarely, but every now and then I'll wake up um, just numb to emotion. Um, you know, depression is definitely still a problem, although it's not as prevalent. Um, but that that's just kind of where I'm at now. You know, walking walking with Christ has definitely helped a lot of things in that area, um, especially with sobriety and depression.
1: Wow. That's a lot to unpack there. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so... Would would you say that you were, because because you said that with with the love of Christ and devoting yourself to to God, that helped you through um, sobriety and just helping your turn your life around. How like were you religious at all before that, or was it like a every Christmas or Easter you would go to church or something like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, growing up <laughs> uh, up until about high school. You know, I was a CEO Christian, Christian, uh, Christmas Easter only, and I'd go to church camps. But for the longest time, uh, just with a lot of the disconnect with my mom, a lot of manipulation, a lot of emotional abuse, uh, and with my dad, just some physical abuse, I was always angry. And I was angry at God almost. I was like, why would, you know, it's the simple thought of if there is a a uh, divine being that is watching over me and loves me. Why would He allow these things to happen to me? Uh, and when I started going to church uh, more more often, junior year, through a lot of the people that I went to school with, I was still struggling with that. Um, but little by little, it was it became more more um, it became more prevalent the fact that you know the Lord was allowing me to go through these trials to grow and it took me a very long time before i was able to look at a trial and say yo i'm i'm going to grow from this like in the moment this sucks this is so hard but there will be growth to come from this um but it really wasn't until i i transferred schools my junior year of high school and some friends were like hey come to church with us and um i remember I went to church for the first time. I sat alone, and I, after service, I saw a couple guys from my basketball team. They're like, "Hey, like, this is our friend group. You, you want to come grab lunch with us?" And uh, it was the first time, you know, as I started going to discipleship group and started going to church more often, it was the first time that I just experienced an unconditional love from people that created a family when I was when I wasn't close with my family.
1: Um, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, like you being, you being included, I'm sure, like after being, after going to, to to church and having your questions about, about God and why he would test you like that, I'm sure that, that felt great to have like this new family of yours.
0: Most definitely, brother.
1: Yeah. So, before, before you, you went to, to church and, Um, followed God, what, because you mentioned how, how you got into drugs and prescription pills. What were the, some of the challenges that you faced that you just thought like, damn, these, like these drugs are the only way that I'm going to get through this.
0: Definitely depression. Um, You know, my sophomore year of high school, I didn't really know what depression was. I didn't think much of it. I definitely didn't think I had it. But it was a combination of like my girlfriend and I broke up. I stopped seeing my dad. My mom and I were fighting a lot. And before I really was able to put knowledge to it, it was just a, uh, it was a numbness to emotion. I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad, but I wasn't happy. And I wasn't, uh, like I said, angry. I wasn't um, content, but I wasn't deficient. It was just nothing and you know i started smoking pot summer after soft, sophomore year um just to kind of feel something just to feel happy feel that dopamine coming through me and just get that feeling and eventually you know it's it's like how everyone calls it a gateway drug you know i eventually started doing some psychedelics and then tried prescription pills and it was it was to the point where i'd do it maybe once a week cuz i i wouldn't get depressed a lot uh, but I I just couldn't feel anything, and I would I wouldn't like go out and party. I'd just lay in my bed for hours and listen to music and just think about things, and you know it'd make me feel better. Um, but then the uh, difficulty that came from that was getting addicted to it to the point where it wasn't even helping my depression. I was depressed almost all the time. I had a, another obstacle I had was kind of putting on that big happy face around friends at at church at school. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, you know, just going through all that. And it got to the point where near the end of junior year, I couldn't go a day without without a pill. I remember uh, halfway through the day through my Humane Letters class, I would leave to go to the bathroom just to take a pill, just to feel normal throughout the day. Like I couldn't just, at first it was an easy escape, and now it was um, it was a part of my life. I couldn't go throughout the day
1: without it. Wow. So so I talked I talked to people a lot about the impact that drugs have on people and a lot of my friends they 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 see people who are who are drug addicts and it's hard for them to understand why they can't just stop. Why they can't just snap their fingers and say okay, from now on, I'm not going to do it. What, like, how, how did you get away from that path? Cause it, it's a path that a lot of people don't get out of. And unfortunately it leads to just terrible things such as like overdoses and, um, different things like that. So how did, how did you get out, get out like before those things happen?
0: Yeah, man. I, you know it took a lot. It took a lot of stupid decisions. It took a lot of bad stuff. I uh, overdosed four times. Um, three of them were on purpose. I was taking an attempt on my life because I was just ready to give up. and um, you know, I was told by my mom and my doctor that I was going to see a therapist. little did I know I was being interviewed by a social worker at an in-stay facility. Um, they tested my pee and I was, Placed in an in-state facility for eight days, Um, and it sucked. I mean, I remember I was so scared because I everything was just kind of crashing down. I felt like I hit rock bottom. I remember I just the second day of detox, I woke up at two in the morning, just covered in sweat and shaking as I was, you know, getting past, you know, having that intake of of some form of prescription pill twice, three times a day. Um, when I got out, it was really the family of Christ that brought me to it. I, um, July 15th of 2018 is when I was admitted from the hospital, July 16th. I slept for like 21 hours. I slept all day. And then July 17th, you know, I had a contact, I, I had some product, I was ready to go back to it. And that was the day my mentor called me and said, Hey, let's meet for coffee. I want to talk. And he shared me his full uncut testimony. Uh, A lot of similarities with uh, physical, mental, emotional abuse with his parents, substance abuse, depression, anxiety. And that was the first time where I could look at someone in the church and really think, hey, they understand what's going on here. They completely are able to fathom what I'm going through. Um, And that was the day I decided to, to devote my life to Christ. But don't get me wrong. It was baby steps. I was still smoking pot for months after that until Christmas of that year. Um, but when I was able to ver- share my testimony as to what happened with my parents, what I was doing with drugs, how, how I was open up, able to open up to people, it was that love that I was shown that I never felt from my family. I mean, I had loving relationships with my family. We had good times, but it wasn't constant, unconditional love. Uh, and like I said, it was baby steps. I still failed along the way, but that is the big reason why I was able to come out successfully from not only the hospital, but becoming sober.
1: Was the, the time when you were in the hospital, do you think that was kind of a wake up call?
0: Most definitely. Um, at first I was angry. And because I shouldn't have been in there, I was told I was going to a therapist and then I got thrown in there and I I told them in the hospital, I'm like, I'm not taking pills. I hated the fact of having to take something to feel normal. And five days into being in the hospital, I was diagnosed with bipolar one disorder. And that was definitely a wake up call because it made a lot of sense, just bipolar depression, uh, my anger when i when i wasn't when i could feel emotions and process things i was so angry all the time just at the world and my parents got into fights with so many people mm. um and i still didn't want to take pills but i was given an ultimatum it was either you take a medication to feel better or you don't you don't leave so i was kind of pushed into a corner there but i'd say within 2 weeks it was such an amazing effect Like I could already see myself growing. I wasn't, you know, depression was definitely hard to work past and it was still a problem. But a lot of my anger and my angst just kind of went away. I was able to process things without getting agitated. Um, And it was definitely a wake up call to understand that, you know, of course, I had these relationships that had failed me. I had a lot of problems in my life, but I also had a chemical imbalance. Like that was a reason why I was feeling all these things. Uh and it was definitely a step towards the right direction into getting better and uh getting help for myself.
1: Yeah. I mean that that sounds so tough. Like having having to make that choice of whether you're gonna take take those medication pills or just be stuck. And yeah. I'm glad you made the right decision because then you wouldn't be here today. Um, so I don't know if you know, St. Augustine, basically he, he lived a life of pleasure. He, he wanted to basically just throw his life away with, with drugs and with sex and with different physical pleasures like that. And then everything in his life just came crashing down. Whether that be from his, his, his mom dying, one of one of his favorite people in the world to his best friend. And he, he like, like what happened to you? He hit rock bottom and he found God and God helped him. And like, it's something that I, I'm not really, big um about my faith but it is something that i am open to simply because when i would like when i hit rock bottom i realized that even though there were some cases after that where i did get upset about something one way or another and i think that's just how anxiety is it's it was all like always going up and i think that in part that has something to do with god and him understanding your suffering and helping you along the way
0: yeah i mean especially when you hit rock bottom you whether it's religious or not i mean people have to find faith in something whether mm-hmm. it's the universe or it's love or it's logic philosophy i mean you find your faith in something and that's what you base the moral of your life on i, I i'm glad that i uh Found, found the church and found a family through that. And that's that's just the faith that I live by. Um, but, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be religious. I, I personally am thankful for, the, for Christianity and for the church, but you just have to find your faith in something. And when I was at rock bottom, I had nothing and that's it. I knew I had Christianity. That's all I knew I had at the moment. Mm-hmm.
1: So what what is it about Christianity and the, the God that you experienced, um, and the people at, um, your church who helped you, what was it about that, that helped you kind of escape that rock bottom?
0: You no, know, like I said, it was just love and support and family. You know, I, um, I'm not going to blame any of my substance abuse or depression on one single person. Like, Oh, it was my mom, it was my dad. It was this, it was that. It was just a collection of things coming on top of me. And I didn't have anything to believe in. I didn't have anything to look forward to. Uh, and when I found that belief and I was given that love and support, um, that, that just was a game changer. And, um, I, what got me through it. I mean, scripture as well. It's just reading. I love the the Bible app does a random verse every day. Like I'll, I'll read, I'll, I'm reading in Ephesians right now, but then I'll also check out the random verse. And I remember one day I was just struggling with judgment and um, John 8, 7 came up, let he who is without sin be the first to cast a stone. And it really puts a true light on what real Christianity is that they're, there is no judgment for the past, the present, what you'll do in the future. Uh, It's, we are called upon to love and to support Christians, non-Christians, everyone you come into contact with is to be loved. And just the fact that we, of course, we have the power, we have the ability to judge others. Everyone had the ability to judge me for, oh, he's uh, he's a drug addict or this, that, the other, Um, you know along with drugs, I was addicted to just kind of supplying any way I could with my lust. Like lust was a huge problem. Um, but it's the fact that although we have the power to do so, only God has the right to judge, like, and judgment will come when, when we go to see him, uh, uh, for eternity. But, you know, it's just, I think the thing that really stuck out was that Christians are called to just love all no matter what. And that just so resounded in my life. And that's just something that as I've, you know, come closer to Christ in my devotion and my walk with Christ, it's something that I try and exemplify as much as possible, whether it's a, a really good friend going through a hard time or the dude I bought an AirPod case from at Best Buy, like just how's your day going? Like, what are you up to? how's life dude it's just love that changes everything and it is I it is so easy to love someone and it's so much harder to judge and so much harder to hate and close yourself off you know
1: yeah I mean I really envy you in in that way because I think in in today's world it is easy to think of pretty much everyone as strangers and to not want to, yeah, to not pass judgment onto them. But I think with what you've done and with your growth, that you're able to overcome that and see see everyone as like semi-equal. And that's, I think, where maybe that unconditional love comes from
0: yeah, I appreciate it, brother. And I definitely wouldn't have gotten there without being a stranger myself at first, whether it was the new school my junior year, the basketball team, the church, people that I'm super close with that I'm that are my mentors and friends now, at one point, I was a stranger to them, but they showed me love. and I see the fruits that have come from that just because, you know, one moment they decide to love. And it opens up a relationship. It opens up a conversation. It opens up what can become a strong bond, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think I said something like this, but I'm just going to go over it again. Like, you. I've known you for a decent amount of time. I'd say like two years, somewhere around there. So I see you as a extrovert as an extroverted person yeah definitely (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah definitely so i mean it's it's hard because someone like me who does go through some social anxiety and i think i i well not i think i definitely used to be a huge introvert and then with, with a lot of growth from, from hitting rock bottom, I think I'm, I'm getting more confident and getting more able to, to do something such as talking to a stranger. But it's, at times it's still overwhelming and it's still like at times frightening to, to say something to someone that you don't even know. So what what would you as as being an extrovert and someone who um wants to give unconditional love to to everyone and wants to be friendly with everyone how like what would what advice would you give to all the introverts out there who are who are afraid and who are yeah are afraid that people are going to judge them
0: Well I as much as I'd love to, you know, share my opinions because I am an extrovert and that's just how I process things. It's how I react to things. I can't try to relate to someone who's an introvert. I I don't know what that's like. And it's not necessarily fair for me to say, oh, do this, do that. Um, But introvert or extrovert, all that aside, one thing I always keep in mind is you know, my mentor now who shared his testimony with me, that changed everything. And it took 20 minutes sitting down at a coffee shop to talk to someone that changed my life. You know, the way I look at things is, you know, some days I, I'm not introverted, but some days I, I don't want to talk to people. Like if I'm having a rough day, if I'm anxious, uh, if I'm going through something, if I'm going through some growth or some hards going on, sometimes I don't want to talk to people. but that one sentence, that five seconds you say, Hey, what's up to someone? Or how's your day going? Like that could change not only your day, but that can affect someone else's day. And not, maybe it's just fleeting. Maybe it's in a drive through and you know, you just relate to someone for two minutes as they get your food or it's someone you meet and you end up talking for hours and then they become a friend. I mean, I, I can't relate to introverts. I don't know what that's like. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just a very open person. That's just something I stand by. Like why, why close yourself off when you could create something beautiful, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like it's very motivational just cause for, for all the people that are nervous and anxious to, to just, go up to someone and have a conversation. Just think about the positive aspects of what could happen. I think there are more positive aspects than than negative. So
0: yeah. Um but uh yeah. Oh, I was just going to say but don't get me wrong. I mean, being anxious like I remember junior year of being anxious and pressed it's hard to reach out to people and a lot of people don't understand that. Like, especially my parents, they'd kind of just be like, why are you sad? Why are you in your room? Why won't you reach out to anybody? Um, for some sometimes it's hard to understand, but I can completely relate and agree that especially with anxiety, the way it can consume you, it is definitely hard to reach out to people. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I'm not trying to undermine that. Like, Oh, you're good. Like go reach out to people. It can definitely be a struggle. It's just some, and I don't always reach out to everyone I meet. It's just something I strive to do,
1: Um, to be like opening, open and and welcome to people. Yes, sir. Um. So yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about because the your freshman year, um, this past year you were for a time at GCU, yes, sir, and then like what what happened what happened after that i know that you you unfortunately had to leave gcu for a time and can you talk a little bit about your like your i'd say new life and how how you're you're dealing with that
0: yeah um gcu is great i absolutely loved it I will say I definitely gained like six pounds just from eating Chick-fil-A and Panda Express every day. So I'm, that's one good thing of, you know, leaving. Um, but I had found a community there. I love my classes. But what happened was I was not going to be able to afford to pay for my whole year. I had some money saved, but at the end of the day, I couldn't do it. So I sat down with my mom and my Nana and my mom kind of facilitated saying, Your Nana is going to support, support part of your payments. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. We're going to do this for you. But at the same time, I still didn't have a good relationship with my mom. You know, it was the worst junior year, uh, when we'd fight constantly, it got better senior year, Mm -hmm. but the past was still fresh and we still had that going on. She and I were still fighting and we came to a breaking point and she eventually decided uh, in retaliation of us fighting that my Nana was no longer going to be supporting me. And it was, you're going to move back home. You are going to work. You're going to pay to live in your Nana's house, this, that, and the other. And I just knew spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that was not going to be healthy for me. And I called up my mentor and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. And I needed about 10 intricate steps to fall into place and the Lord allowed it in like two hours. I packed up my stuff. The next day, I moved in with my mentor and a couple of friends from church. And it sucked leaving GCU. I I miss it. I, I was still up there all the time on the weekends to see my old roommates and some friends. But it was just that community that I had grown to love that I, I lost. That I lost like complete connection with. It was, I'd still call and text. I'd see them or a couple of weekends a month, but it was hard. But like I said, it was tough in the moment, but there is so much growth that has come from it. I, um, you know, just having some time to grow myself, grow spiritually, grow emotionally and mentally really, uh, with my roommates, uh, one of which is my mentor, uh, and really learn how to support myself and kind of make my way through all of, all that life was throwing at me. I've, Definitely seen the growth that's come from it. Uh, Just the spiritual maturity and just the ability to understand how my mom and I went wrong uh, to the point where I actually reached out to her a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was talking with another one of my mentors, one of my pastors, and he told me, dude, just reach out in peace. And I felt like after the time that I had taken away from my mom to grow and just to kind of understand. Where I went wrong, where she went wrong, the boundaries we need to put into place, I was ready to say, I called her and we talked and I said, I love you, mom. Uh, I'm ready for a relationship. I know it's going to take work, but I'm looking forward to possibly reconnecting with you. Uh, And I did the same for my dad. I'd say leaving GCU and really being thrown into the fire has shown me a lot of discernment as to how to reconnect with my parents um but it's still hard to the point where i just started counseling a couple of days ago um because it's just something i don't know how to process and i feel like just my first session was amazing and i was able to process a lot but counseling is definitely something that's helping me through this time um and as much as i didn't like g- leaving gcu and not having school and not you know moving forward in my life in that aspect so much good has come from one door opening and one door closing and like five doors opening you know
1: yeah i mean that's the thing that i love about you like you well one you're always positive which or at least every time you we talk or anything like that you always seem positive and just having that that happy face on is just like it it gets people like I wouldn't say get people happy but it it's a good thing and I Thanks, I would brother. encourage you to keep doing that um but yeah also the the fact that you are able to to go to counseling and to kind of like admit that you still have more like you still have room to grow and that you you aren't perfect and that even though you've taken so many huge steps from, from your time, um, during sophomore year and junior year to, to now that you're still like being tested to this day and that you need to with help overcome, overcome those, those challenges. So that's awesome. Um, as a whole, you've talked about, you've talked about growth a lot and how you've grown, um, but specifically from your time between like sophomore and junior year to now, what would you say you're like right now, what would you say you're most happy about and the things that you love about yourself? And then what are the things that you want to, to work on and, uh, grow from?
0: Wow. That's, that's a lot. Um, most happy, um, wow! Um, just that I have a purpose in life, you know. Especially, I mean, that just revolves around my faith. That I am just everything I do is I tr- I try to do is to further my faith, you know, grow as a person, and just grow with other people. I'm definitely happy for having a purpose. You know, a junior year, like I was suicidal. I had a friend that I'd call, you know, whenever I got on the roof or was at a, about to take pills that would come over and we'd just sit in his car and talk and cry and laugh. Um, and I just didn't feel like I haven't had a purpose. You know, I was just sitting there going through the motions like, when is this going to end? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say one thing I am struggling to work on is, uh, self-worth and acceptance you know it's um you know with the judgment that comes uh one of my mentors said something really wise he just said you know you always have an audience of one and that's Christ although in the like in your eyes what you see uh in this world it's so easy to be like oh they're watching me and they see what I've done but you always have an audience of one that's something i'm growing on right now i get one thing that kind of affects my anxiety is how people think of me um and just same kind of bro. the self worth yeah yeah man it's a struggle and it's just always thinking like am i accepted by this person are am i cool with him are we good um and i always go through the motions of did i do something wrong i always it's so easy to think that you did something wrong in a relationship when you aren't accepted when sometimes, you know, a relationship isn't meant to be, but mm-hmm. you know, self-worth and acceptance uh, and just accept uh, unaccepting understanding that I'm accepted is definitely something I'm working on right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, I see great things from you ahead. Um, I think that Thank you about it. the growth that I, from I think the first time I met you was in—I don't even remember—but it was at Tom's Thumb, the gas station, and we yeah. were with Gabby. remember that with Gabby by the fish tank, dude. Yeah, that was crazy, tank,
0: bro. And I thought you and Gabby were dating. You guys are <laughs> tight friends. I was like, "Yo, are you guys a thing?" Like I thought y'all were dating, and you're like, nah, no, nah, we're just friends." But yeah,
1: we were working on homework. Just thinking about that and like where where we were then, and bro we've made such such huge leaps since then and we've yeah. like grown so much so i just wanted to ask you what i mean what are what are the plans for trevor stram i mean what what's the what's the next step like are you going like just in your in your life like do you plan on trying to get back to college do you like i know you're at a job right now you have a good job right now but What, like, what do you, what's your plan for the next coming months, years, whatever?
0: Yes, sir. Um, Well, thankfully, one one of the mentors that I've been uh, referencing, a pastor of my church, has been so gracious to to help support me to go back to college. So I'll be attending SEC fully online in the fall. I'm sticking online just so I can still work full time to save for when I do go back to a university. Um, But while I was at GCU, I was majoring in biblical studies with a minor in counseling. And uh, the plan was I've just seen how so many of my mentors and friends have affected me with their testimonies and just knowing how I can use my testimony. I want to be able to do that just to help people, to love people, to help people grow and show them that. There, There is a path to redemption and there is a path to happiness and a path away from anxiety and depression. Uh, the the plan is just to get, you know, all the gen eds, prereqs done at SCC and then hopefully go back to GCU to continue that and become a youth pastor. Uh, I've been serving with the uh, fifth and sixth grade ministry at, uh, at my church for a couple years now, uh, almost two years, and I love it. And I'll be honest, they're fifth grade boys, so they can be absolute goons sometimes, uh, especially in small groups, like when they're talking about their girlfriends or whatever, because they're in fifth grade. (laughs) Fifth grade girlfriends, baby. Um, But it's so sweet the times where, you know, it's after games and after a sermon, uh, uh, in which I actually got to share a sermon to these kids, which was cool, where we can sit down and be like, Hey, how did that, how does that apply to you right now? Like what's going on with you? And they can really open up about problems that seem so distant that are, that were so relevant when I was that age. Um, And I love it. I absolutely love my guys. Uh, I'm staying with them one more year when they move up to sixth grade and then I'll be going up to the seven, eight ministry once they go up to the seventh grade. Um, But just being able to grow with kids I when I didn't have a dad in the picture, I didn't have a Christian mentor in the picture when I was that age. I just I'm just so blessed for the opportunity to do that. And that's what I want my life to be, man. That's what I strive to accomplish.
1: I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. I see that in you as someone who wants to help and like honestly, I before this, um, before you even mentioned that, because I had no idea that you were you had, you were taking a minor in counseling. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even know that. And I was just thinking like, damn, he could be a fantastic therapist or counselor just because you can, you, the thing about you, you can talk to people and totally have them look inside, inside themselves and and just think like, if he did it, so can I, and, or something like that. And you've gone through a lot of shit and it seems like the people that go through it, like I've gone through a bit and like, now I'm spreading, spreading my words through this podcast. And you can do the, like the exact same as being a counselor. I mean, you've gone through shit and you like, you've learned so much and I'm so glad that you're taking that opportunity to, to help people who back in junior year were the same as you and who who were struggling and going through that shit. So, I mean, I, I want to see where you end up. I'm sure it's going to be doing great things. And yeah, I'm so glad that we had this conversation. You continue to just our friendship continues to grow and I'm so excited to see where, where it will be.
0: Of course, brother. I love you. I'm so glad to see how close we've grown since, I mean, junior year, we, I, we talked, but I'd talked say, a bit, yeah, yeah. Like senior year after senior year college, how much, you know, my relationship has budded with you.
1: So, yeah. Um, I think to be honest, we've covered pretty much everything. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, with that, wanted to, to end this podcast and just give a big thank you, uh, Trevor, like, we we've had like tough times when we just didn't connect at all. And when like there were times when I'm, I was jealous of you or angry at you or anything like that, but I'm just glad that we're now in a point where, I mean, we've both grown so much where we can, we can really connect on that. And I think that like we share a lot of qualities and I'm glad to have you as a brother.
0: Same to you, brother, you know, Like I said to you the other day, the Lord places people in our life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I knew you were in my life for a reason. You were definitely in my life for a tough season. But it's so cool to see how far we've come from our disagreements, um, uh, our past, and to realize, like, I have a brother for lifetime in you. So thank you. I really appreciate you having me on today. Uh, Total honor just to be able to share with you. And thank you again, brother. Appreciate you.
1: And just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of the listeners listening to this podcast. Um, I really appreciate you, and just want you to take something from this, and take something from all my podcasts. In this, I wanted I want you to take away that everyone does have their own struggles, but finding finding faith in in whatever whatever you can, whether that be God, whether that be faith in friends, or even faith in yourself. I mean, you can, you can grow so much and hitting rock bottom does not mean that you have to leave this world or anything like that. Like you can, you can come back and as you can see, Trevor and I both have. So yeah, just wanted to end this podcast. Thank you guys so much. And I will see you guys next time.